Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the CX Cast. This is your host, Jenny Wise. And this week, I am joined by a return guest, Claude Coltia. For those of you who maybe didn't listen to the previous episode that we aired, which had our conversation with Claude, and it answered the question, how to grow the CX discipline. Claude is the Senior VP, Head of Enterprise Customer Experience, who functions as the Chief Customer Officer and member of the Operating Committee at Travelers. Claude, you have a lot of great experience within the CX field, so we're glad to have you back here to share some more of your sort of tips and best practices and methods that you've been using within your work. Well, thanks so much for having me again, Jenny. This is really exciting and it's really fun. And this is one of my favorite topics. I know as you and I chatted, one of Forrester's favorite topics. So I think this will be really fun. Looking forward to it. Yes. Who doesn't love to talk about journeys? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So this week's question is going to be answering some questions about journeys. We'll be talking about sort of lessons in journey transformation. And so, Claude, I'd love to sort of toss it right back to you to ask, you know, what does journey transformation mean to you? So the first thing I like to kind of share when we talk about journey transformation is just to talk about what it's not, because I think it's important. I usually don't start responses that way, but let's just be clear. This is not journey mapping. Journey mapping is really important. Journey mapping is an exercise within the bigger journey transformation, but this is not what we're talking about, right? Journey transformation is really, first of all, kind of what it sounds like, but I think at its core, It is a way of working and an operating model that really starts with the customer and brings all parts of the value chain, all parts of the operating model, including investments, including channels, including functions together around maximizing the benefit both to the customer and to the organization. It really is a way of kind of helping prepare the organization for the future think even the word transformation sometimes can have a maybe jarring effect, but I think of it as really a way of preparing an organization for the future, helping it come together and organize in a way that gets it ready for consumerization by starting and designing and executing work around how customers and stakeholders make decisions, buy products, stay and leave. Great. And I think that was a helpful way to say what it is not and what, yes. what, it, and what it is. Um, yes. It's so easy to say, oh, well, this is a journey map, but yes. we're really talking about something that is much larger than that, right? It exists at an organizational layer and it's centering around the journey itself. Exactly. Really looking at it, and I think maybe one other way to look at it is, it is if we sort of step back a little bit, right? Many organizations are organized around what they do really well, right? whether they make a product, they offer a service, right? And typically you have those groups and those functional disciplines work together. You know, the product teams make great products, the sort of call center teams, you know, do their thing. Technology teams are sort of building platforms. The journey transformation looks at it from the lens of the human being on the outside, right? What are they trying to accomplish? How are they trying to onboard? How do they want to be serviced? And how do those, all those pieces actually fit together in the organization? And does it actually make sense to them? And really, that's what it is. It's really helping put together the jigsaw puzzle for the customer in a way that typically organizations don't see because we, so many of us have built ourselves organization-wise, right, on kind of this expertise of what we do really well, whether it's a product or a service, but we sort of forget that aha moment of, oh, wait, does this make sense to the person actually buying it and what can they do with it? Yeah, and we've seen a sort of a shift of companies beginning to take this approach, right? This reminds me of this one... So the financial service company I talked to that had everything organized by product line, 
Mm-hmm. And then they sort of re- redid the whole thing to say, you know, actually, who are sort of our segments and what are their goals? And let's restructure based on these these segments and their goal types instead. Yes. So, yeah, I'm curious to hear from you. You know, is that the type of sort of work that you're talking about or sort of how has this sort of materialized in your company? What does it look like from that organization perspective? So the way that I think it materializes is if you start with sort of the end state of journeys, right? The ideal is that for every part of the customer lifecycle, whether it be the moment a customer makes a purchase decision, the moment they have a servicing moment, a renewal moment, right? That everything we do kind of makes sense to them. The process to get there, especially Jenny, with how you mentioned, right? That organizations typically start with just looking at products will take some time and will take some pieces to put together. The way we've sort of organized it is we've started by looking at initially just sort of across all segments, right? I think journeys can progress to be segment specific, but you can start journeys by looking at just all customers and saying, what do we want the core basic things to be and how do we want it to work and to look and to feel, right? So if you think about the basics, Jenny, of a sort of customer life cycle, right? A customer starts with you, right? You can call that onboarding. I tend to call that the honeymoon period, right? Like what do we want to happen, right? What is actually our intention? Of course, we want them to buy our products, but we also recognize that, you know, customers are looking at it as sort of something bigger in their life, or if it's a B2B customer, right? Something bigger in their business, right? Either they made a move and so they need a new, you know, financial services product or they're growing their business. So they need some other risk product, right? But to start sort of thinking of that way, then as you sort of grow that and you move down the customer life cycle, again, to think about it from their lens around servicing and then renewal. So we start with sort of what we call kind of big journeys or mega journeys and say, okay, what are all the things that a customer is trying to do, all the activities in this sort of big bucket? And does everything we do internally, does it actually shape to make sense for them? so that we drive then our intended impact, right? The other part is we also look at the KPIs very thoughtfully and link them directly into the journey. So, you know, all of us want to offer more product services and we hope that our customers want more products or services. But what the journey does is really link those very specifically and carefully to weave together what part of each journey a customer may be considering that or having an emotional negative moment or positive moment and really thinking about that thoughtfully. So we organize it by kind of core big journeys. And then I think I've seen other organizations over time then sort of segment those to sort of personalize segments within those journeys. Great. I think you touched on something really sort of important at the beginning there, which is, you know, the objective isn't how do they sort of interact necessarily with your product, right? Because the value that the customer derives itself usually isn't the product, right? It's how they right. use the product, or how the product is in service of this larger goal or objective or life event that they've had. Yes. And so grounding it in that can really enable a company to understand where they fit in that value ecosystem and how do they deliver effectively. And from there, think about the products and the service and the experience. Right, right. Uh, you know, one way that our CX team sometimes, uh, when we initially talked about this and how do we even present it to the organization, right? Let me be frank here. This is a complex topic. I think there's, that we can talk about it sort of theoretically, there's sort of aha moments, but there is a complexity towards internalizing this. So we thought about what are some, some things that we can come up with to help people understand. So one of the things we always talk about is, you know, let's say that you're a company that makes pencils and you make really, really good pencils and and coffee cups. It's like you go to a customer and, and you say, you know, dear Mrs. Customer, here is a wonderful pencil. I think that you should buy it. It'll do everything you want. And the customer says, 
okay, thank you, but I but I don't want a pencil. I want a cup of coffee. And what we typically do is we say, okay, but here's a really great pencil, right? <laughs> yeah. What a customer journey does is it really says, stop. Let's actually start with what the human being's trying to do, right? And so it's stepping back saying, okay, wait, they said they want a cup of coffee. Why is that, right? And then sort of leading it from there. That's really the reason I say that. I know that's sort of simplistic, but it's meant to sort of showcase that's what you do in the journey, right? You start and you step back, say, what is a human being trying to accomplish when they first come to us as a company? If you look at most organizations, right, people don't typically wake up in the morning, let's say on a Saturday and say, you know what? I'm going to go buy a checking account today. That sounds so exciting. My Saturday is going to be checking accounts and a manicure. <laughs> no, isn't their thinking that is because something has, is happening in their life, right? It may be big. It may not be. It may be some sort of transition and understanding how do we fit into that context? How do we both shape that narrative? And then more importantly, Jenny, what are all the processes internally that come together to make sure that happens? Because if it doesn't make sense for the customer, this is the other thing our team always talks about is if the human being decides not to purchase what you're making, no matter how good you think it is, then nothing else matters. So if you can't, right, if you can't shape it towards something that's meaningful for them, nothing else matters. You can have the prettiest products, the best services, whatever the case may be. But if the journey doesn't match what is in the customer's heart and head and the intention of growing their business or protecting their family or living their lives, then nothing else matters. Yes. No matter how magical that pencil is, yes. not, yeah. they don't want that pencil. <laughs> doesn't yes, matter. exactly. <laughs> Spot on. So you mentioned how this can be sort of a shift, right? And something that has to be sort of communicated out. You know, why is it important to think this way? And I'm curious to hear, you know, from an organizational standpoint, for companies that are not organized this way, right, which many are not, do you have sort of advice or best practices in how to get that company to make this shift? Because it can be a pretty big shift. Yes, this can be a pretty big shift. Yes. So I will share with you with sort of what I learned and sort of my aha moment. So, you know, some of my early introduction to customer journeys was actually through Forrester Research. So, you know, I'm grateful to you all because I started reading a lot of research of some of the early work you all had done and highlighting some exemplars in other parts of the world, right? Not just North America that were talking and thinking about this. And I thought this seems interesting and really important. And I'm curious to see what's here. So I, as I dug into it and thought about, is there a business case here for us, right? Uh, even answering that to myself. And so earlier in my career, I said, okay, let me take just one journey and then see if what we do sort of makes sense. The first aha moment, Jenny, that I saw, and by the way, this has been the case for many years now that I've been doing this, was the surprise of how many redundant efforts are going into the same thing. For example, at one of the organizations, now this is also true very, very early on in in my consulting days, but I saw that, for example, for like an onboarding effort, there were four different teams going after both the CRM platform and then almost identical technologies towards onboarding. Another one were like five or six teams working on kind of the exact same customer communication and actually sending out the same thing, but with multiple different languages and and actually different phone numbers. So this was one of those things that the moment I realized what was going on and it hit me, I also realized what the opportunity was, right? So the business case becomes obvious when you even start looking at it from a customer's eyes and kind of building the base case for whatever part of a customer life cycle 
that you want to sort of start with. But it really is initially around redundancy and efficiency. That's the benefit to the organization without even speaking to the fact that you're creating a significantly better experience for the customer. So ultimately, I think as customer journey matures within an organization, what I've seen, Jenny, is that the first few years and being really around redundancy and efficiency, right? How do we actually stop wasting so much time and so much effort, multiple efforts, if you will, and kind of come together and take the best of all these different people, all these different teams, let's put them in one room, right? Marketing with operations, with technology, with HR, with finance, with scrum teams and say, okay, let's all look at what we're doing. Let's write it down. And then let's look at what the intention of the of that part of the customer journey is, and then just do one thing and make it really, really good. And so that's the sort of first part, right? Just sort of fixing the stuff and making it make sense. As customer journeys mature in organizations, and I was reading this in some of your research, again, sort of more, more advanced organizations, right? They can then think really thoughtfully about what is the big bet that we go after then, right? Let's say you have now a service journey, a customer service journey that makes sense, that all the basics are right, right? Your service levels now, you hit most of them. Customers feel pretty good about that. Then you can actually focus on what is the innovation we go after, right? What do we do next? Without journeys, what I've seen, Jenny, is that you know, sometimes teams won't even hit their service levels and phone calls. You know, you have customers waiting 10 minutes just to be answered, yet they're looking at like the next evolution and like innovative thing. Mm-hmm. Why bother when customers can't even get on the phone and you're trying to introduce AI into your telephony? Does that make sense? Right. It tends to be all over the place. And the journey brings it together to say, okay, let's fix the basics. Let's start introducing some really nice, slick things. And then finally, when we get those things right, then let's look at the innovations and really get ahead of the marketplace. Yeah. And I like that you clarified these sort of two different goals, right? Because this is something that I think is really important for people to understand when you're thinking about how to be journey centric and even journey maps or what it is that you're considering. There is the sort of current state, right? What is the current state? What are customer perceptions? What is the process that is underlying all of it? And how is that working? And sort of what do we need to find and fix and elevate? But then there's also, let's use this to think about what we could do, right? What could be a breakthrough? What is a different way we could deliver this value? And so both of those are use cases for this sort of journey-centric mindset. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. What I appreciate about this mindset, and as I personally even sort of learned through the years, right? The first part of a journey is to sort of put the guardrails around where do we want to start? And, and let's say that you want to start with the renewal journey, right? That moment where, you know, if you sell a product or a service that has a renewal in it, that they make that decision point and, and maybe a hundred day span. The first part is understanding to what you just said, Jenny, right? What is happening during that time? The reason we're talking about it in the context of customer experience, right? This is where the classic foundations of customer experience does come in, right? It starts with the voice of the customer. How are we measuring this part, right? This actually group of touch points within that journey so that we understand what the baseline and the base, the base case is for what they're thinking and feeling, right? What are some of the personas within that? How do we measure that? Or do we even measure, right? That's how we sort of start, right? You really want to get a firm understanding of what is the current world? And then also, what are all our current processes? Jenny, this is where journey maps do come in, right? You map the customer journey. The sort of and here is you also want to map every process in the organization that goes to every touch point in the journey. I think this is one of those reasons why, you know, journey maps and many of the CX partners I've spoken to over the years 
we always talked about for many years, right? What do we do with the journey maps? We were all really proud of them. I remember I was so proud of the first one I created and then I showed it to partners and teams and you know, executives looked at me and they said, this is really cool, Claude, but what do you want me to do with it? And my response was, well, I don't really know. <laughs> the handoff step can be something that you really have to have to master over time. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, the journeys really were the answer. And this was before journeys really were a thing that I realized the next part of it is then map everything in your organization that leads up to that journey. That's just part one, right? The part two, Jenny, you hit it spot on. The reason that this becomes transformative, or if you don't want to use the word transformation, really evolution in the organization, right, is you then imagine what does the world look like in this journey that both creates a great experience for the customer so that they are functioning in the way you want them to, right, which is probably, you know, repurchasing that product or maybe even building that relationship and buying more products. And then what does that mean for the organization? Now, my thing is to not sort of do this incrementally to say, okay, let's fix this, this, this. The idea here that I've learned is to really start with what does a perfect world look like, right? How do we reimagine this future in a brand new way? And then you sort of work backwards to that. And I think that's been the really powerful part. The last part of this, Jenny, which I think is just actually as important is those things are still actually planning and architecting. Those are really complex and they're really exciting and it involves bringing multiple cross-functional teams together infusing it with human-centered design, voice of the customer. But then the third part is for CX teams to function then as the architects of executing that, right? The business lines, you want them to own it. You want them to execute it because that's where the expertise is. That's where really the execution capabilities are. But then taking that all the way to execution and then linking the outcomes to the PLs. This is the magic of the transformation is that you're linking everything that happens in a company. And I'm going to say it again, everything to this part of the customer journey that is that is a key decision point that clearly links to the PNL. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought that up because it is so often the case that, you know, people will think about a journey, build out this journey, <laughs> share it out, and people don't know what to do with it. Exactly. Yeah, so to make it something that is really actionable, you know, and will be actioned on, you, know, you need to incorporate not just the CX team or who was involved in that sort of initial customer understanding effort, but everyone to say, well, here's the customer journey that we know from what we just looked at in this research and what we're told. But also here is the ecosystem that supports it. Here is where all of you come into play in supporting it and you know how you're being enabled to or not enabled to support it. And also here are the metrics, right? Each of these touch points have that shows sort of why it matters to our company or to your specific business unit. And then it becomes something that everyone in the organization sort of is more bought into and, and cares about as well. Right. And and Jenny, you and I touched on this last time in our last conversation, right? But the metrics are also the key point because it really is the coming together of customer sentiment, right? Sort of VOC with that part of the customer journey all the way to the PNL, right? This is really where CX teams show true impact by bringing those teams together, developing the metrics that are integrated, right? Uh, metrics around what the customer sentiment is, but also what is the financial benefit, right? What is the financial outcome? That is really the power of these journeys. I think these journeys a couple of years ago were interesting. What I've seen this as it's evolved and, you know, some of the even organizations and, and articles you've all had is that some organizations realize, wow, this is important and it's kind of become core. Again, my very personal theory is here that I think in the within five to 10 years, especially 
this will become necessary. I really think this is the future of how so many organizations will actually need to even think about things because this is future-proofing a company. The reason I think that is because I think consumerization continues to increase, right? As you and I have sort of talked about a little bit, a couple of times, and as customers realize that they're smarter, they actually have more choices and their demands are getting more complicated. I think journeys prepare an organization for the future to make sure to be able to deliver on it. I think these siloed approaches that many organizations have had in the past just won't be able to survive. We have been because there weren't many choices, but as customers realize how empowered they are, I think customer journeys and a customer journey orientation are going to be vital for future of organizations and really uh, stability. Yeah, that is great. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing too, right? And that companies are now feeling that pressure from their customers. They know they need more customer understanding. They know they need to understand that value. And so they're trying to take on this sort of journey-centric mindset. And so what you just shared were some great examples of both sort of how this can be done, right? <laughs> that this is a mindset, that it is not just a, a map, how you bring the organization in so that they are bought into this process and actively a part of the process, right? So then sort of carry through this transformation and also to make sure that this you know, journey is focused on the near term, right? What is our current state, but can also be used right, to help you transform or differentiate or elevate in the longer term as well. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I really think of it as a future preparedness tool too. Yeah, yeah. It's both short-term, medium-term, and, and long-term as well. And, you know, the first kind of year or two may seem a little bit challenging getting it up and running. But when I look at some exemplars, especially globally, again, that some of which you've highlighted in your research, what I've heard from talking to those organizations, to those teams, is that they say they don't know how they went without this now that they have it because they're seeing so much value and it's really helping them shape the organization for the future. So I think it's not just exciting, but it's also becoming more and more necessary. Yeah. Yeah. That's also good to point too, that this is new for some companies, but there are those examples out there, right? Those case studies to point to. You are one of them. <laughs> there are others out there too. So if this is something that you know, listeners are interested in pursuing and companies want to try to get their organization to do, there are some of those case studies to point to, to say, you know, hey, this could really work. So let, let's give this a shot. Yeah, absolutely. And I would encourage, you know, everyone to at least do some homework on it and to, you know, have some conversations with partners in your organization I think it's been a really exciting journey for us at Travelers, no pun intended, but it's really uncovering new value in the organization. So I think it's really great, interesting, and necessary work. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us again on this episode of the CX Cast. It was great to hear you walk through, you know, what is journey transformation? What does it mean from a mindset perspective? How can this be a competitive advantage for companies? Right. And then how do you bring your organization along for the ride so that they are sort of willing to make this journey adjustment? Uh, listeners, if you're interested to know more on this topic, AFCON mentions at Forrester, we have quite a bit of research on it. So we will include a few links to relevant reports in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening and talk to you next week. 